coming up, the deep dive into your questions about the Kona Electric and EV ownership generally in Australia. All inspired by you. This is going to be a fairly long report, so grab a beverage because, hey, you're only allegedly working from home. And let's have a proper conversation here about when electrons and mobility collide. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously, or you can just click the card that's up there now, dude. The mighty Kona Electric is about to clock over one year and 10,000 Ks here in the Fat Cave, and that means the sweet sorrow of parting is imminent. Next Friday, actually, and yeah... I'm going to miss it, but I have been amassing rather a thick wad of questions from you. Are you parking your Kona EV away from the house now in case it spontaneously combusts? No, I'm not. I got this one from a shit stirrer in the industry whom I will not name just the other day. I would retort on this, that we all live in a world that is full of risk. You know, it's typically low probability high-consequence risk, like crossing the friggin' street. Kona Electric was introduced in July 2018 in Australia. That's 31 months ago, right? And there are 75,680 of those being recalled globally as we speak in the most expensive EV recall of all time. There have been 12 reported fires in total, right? And I've covered the recall for that, and I'll put a link just up there if you are yet to be up to speed. And of course, I will wait patiently because, hey, I'm all about serving you. So let's call that an average of something like 35,000 Kona electric vehicles in service for 31 months on average. Seems kind of fair. That's about 1 million vehicle months in total in service, right? And 12 fires. When you crunch the numbers on that, that's roughly one fire for every 90,000-ish vehicle months in service. And seriously, like the kind of people who get shit scared by this kind of ambient risk either don't calculate anything or they have no idea about risk. It's more dangerous to check your friggin' Twitter while you're crossing the street, right? Incidentally, it was recently announced that the battery manufacturer LG Chem, which builds the batteries for the Kona Electric, they're going to bear the bulk of the estimated 900 million US dollar recall cost with reports in South Korea coming out of South Korea claiming between 62 to 70 percent of the financial burden will be borne by LG Chem. Of course, the reputational impact for this recall will be almost wholly attached to Hyundai. The electricity grid is not ready for millions of Australians drawing that much power at night. I get this a lot and I would offer two points on this, okay? A, it doesn't really have to be ready now because unless we're all in a simulation running in the matrix and someone goes out and changes the code overnight, it's going to take decades for the fleet to evolve to full or even majority EV composition. And the grid can evolve as the fleet changes, clearly. And of course, full electrification of transport is a complete fantasy. So I'd suggest this is 
something of a bullshit argument. And B, on this, okay, on the grid, it is kind of ready, dude, because we do it during the day. If charging happens overnight, there's going to be absolutely no problem. And when you crunch the numbers, which I have done, we need only about 10% more total power generation capacity, hypothetically, to replace every passenger vehicle in Australia and run EVs across the board tomorrow. Pro tip, that'll never happen. I look forward to Hyundai Kia building sporty, sexy and well, well built, as well as affordable EVs, something that is as advanced in terms of technology and battery tech as a Tesla, but actually well built and with good customer support. There is certainly going to be a lot more choice in EVs in the near future, and with its fancy new Ionic brand, Hyundai is going to be substantially better at customer support than Tesla. Not hard though, really. Of course, Tesla has cult factor going for it, thanks to the magnetic pull of electric Jesus. And he is quite charismatic, if you are scientifically illiterate. And therefore, many Tesla owners are predisposed to forgive their miracle Teslas for their many and varied pants-pooping proclivities. So there's that. As for affordable EVs, okay, don't hold your breath on that one. Taxpayer subsidy is the only known way to achieve that currently. Never thought it possible such amount of smug arrogance and doucheness could come out of an Aussie. But shit, you're proof of it. Face it, you were fucking wrong for all these years, and those so-called divorced from reality EV owners were right. Welcome to EV world, even if you had to be slapped in. Thank you so much, Joey. I I do, of course, strive for that Goldilocks balance of smugly arrogant doucheness. Very kind of you to notice. But it is hard to achieve perfection, right? And I'm always striving, and that's the main thing. Like, it's all about the journey, dude, not the destination. Smugness and arrogance has always been quite easy for me, of course. It fits me like latex on a frigging gynecologist. But doucheness is a real challenge. I found it quite difficult to let one's inner douche shine on through. Hopefully, you know, with the right encouragement from people such as Joey, my inner douche will one day soar like the eagle it deserves to be. But with all due respect, i.e. none, I remain on message with respect to those divorced from reality EV owners. Not all EV owners, clearly, just the evangelical nutbags, meaning... Anyone who thinks they're saving the planet or that owning a Tesla makes you somehow superior or that EVs have already killed internal combustion and we're really just waiting for news to get around. That's a complete fantasy. As for being slapped in, if the Kona Electric were in fact that wake-up slap I deserved, I'm really not sure I got my money's worth. I would want to be slapped again but this time from a tall Scandinavian blonde. A woman, just for disambiguation. Preferably an ex-cheerleader cougar type. I'm funny like that. Why do you talk like a pompous asshole? Tim, Timmy, dude. That was a question. You're supposed to use a question mark. And, pro tip, asshole is one word. 
At least try to have vestigial self-respect when engaging others in dialogue. There's a good chap. Be interesting to see the difference it would make on an electricity bill if you have no solar. How have your bills been while running it compared to previous electricity bills? Every thousand Ks in a Kona Electric is gonna cost you about 36 bucks in electricity, Australia. Most people drive about 15,000 kilometres a year, according to Ostat, so that's about 540 bucks on your annual electricity bill. A lot less than driving an equivalent petrol vehicle. Of course, the Kona Electric is about $25,000 more expensive than the equivalent 1.6 turbo petrol Kona, so it's pretty hard to make any case for economic rationalism as we will shortly see. But John, if I need to spend 20K extra for this car and 2K for the charger, then I would have consumed a lot of energy in my living work to make those 22K. You have not addressed this issue of me robbing my own pocket. A bit skewed, me thinketh. Bruno, dude. You have to be quite affluent to buy a Kona Electric, and the more affluent you are in general, the more energy you consume, and the more energy you consumed getting affluent, presumably. I'm not entirely sure how the green ethics of affluence actually works, except to say that I personally find affluent shitheads in Teslas entirely nauseating when they play the green and or superior cards. like. See how self-righteously woke I am in my Tesla, saving the planet and being richer and righter than you. It's undignified and appalling. But I'm pretty sure affluence cannot be construed as you robbing your own pocket, at least not in most senses. You get affluent by charging more than something is worth, basically, over and over and over. Mate, what does it cost to charge? Am I right in thinking dead empty 64 kilowatt hours at approx 26 cents a kilowatt hour? Okay, 26 cents per kilowatt hour is pretty reasonable for prime time electricity in Australia. It's gonna cost a bit more in South Oz, a bit less in Queensland and Victoria, but yeah, ballpark. So that's about 16 bucks per full charge from dead flat. And that's about 3.6 cents per kilometer. About the same as a cup of coffee for driving 100 Ks. Great review. I would say it is only missing the calculation of how many kilometers it would take to reclaim extra spent on the EV over the ICE version. The combined cycle lab test economy on a 1.6 turbo petrol Kona is 6.7 litres per 100 kilometres. So real world's going to be about 9 litres per 100 k's. Petrol's about $1.26 a litre last time I looked, which is quite a while ago now, with an electric car and two diesels in the driveway currently, like shoot me. That's about 11.3 cents per kilometre in a petrol Kona. That's what it's going to cost you, okay? As discussed previously, right, it's 3.6 cents per kilometre for the Kona electric compared with 11.3 for the Kona petrol. The difference is 7.7 cents per kilometre, and you save that by driving the EV. And that means, unfortunately, that you have to save $25,000, like the upfront price disparity, in 7.7 .7 cent increments every time you drive one kilometre. So 
Let us just crunch the numbers on that. Can you guess, right? It's 325,000 kilometres of driving and then you break even in terms of operating cost versus premium upfront. Therefore, there is no economically rational justification for buying this car or indeed most EVs. There's just not. You have to really want one. And hey, that's not a bad thing unless your primary justification is to save money. If that's the case, electric cars simply do not add up. But they are great for clean air in our cities and also pretty flash for national energy security as well. And these are both pressing concerns for our society. So well done there if you own an EV. Can't imagine why anyone has to justify their transportation purchase to anyone else. Is mom still alive? It strikes me that people actually spend a great deal of cognitive bandwidth unnecessarily justifying everything that might be construed as a status symbol. Mainly to themselves, but also to their significant someones, you know, their relatives and their boss or their employees, whatever. And a lot of that justification, frankly, is cuckoo's nest. There's no economically rational case for a Hublot watch or a Birkin handbag or a pair of Christian Louboutin shoes or an EV. And that is completely okay. You are allowed to want stuff simply because it makes you feel good. And I'd suggest it is oddly liberating to detain yourself with choices designed only to make you happy yourself, and thus telling the rest of the world to go fuck itself. Because there is often a huge internal conflict between the things that really make you happy and the terrible burden of trying to keep everyone else happy slash impressed. Not giving a fuck what other people think or say is a real skill. And at this, I am frigging Yoda. For more information, visit my other website, lifecoachexpert.com.au Unless, you know, Albors has that one too. You completely omit DC fast charging, and yes, we have a usable network here in Australia nowadays. And it is growing. Even my little town of Coonabarabran got one, NRMA. Worth noting that all to my knowledge, installed fast and hyperchargers are Aussie designed and manufactured by Tritium in Brizzy. Yes, miracles do happen. Yeah, fast charging is really good for EVs during long trips, and I'll have a report coming up for you on that in the next few weeks. But unfortunately, although as Rheingold pointed out, even Coonabarabran, that quaint last bastion of alleged civilization before Dingo Piss Creek, has a fast charger. Australia's rollout of EV fast charging and hydrogen infrastructure, incidentally, remains pathetic and inadequate, at least in comparison to a properly developed country. Things to see and do in Coonabarabran. The NRMA DC fast charger. The end. If you haven't coined Petra Sapiens by now, you're just a damn fool. I did use that term to define our species somewhat presumptuously in my initial review of this car because Petro Sapiens is who we are. 
It's really not our big brains and our cleverly oriented prehensile thumbs that sees humanity on top. Like, dude, chimps have opposable thumbs and dolphins have big brains. Guess what? They're not on top. And it is a whole lot of fun being on top. They can agree. In fact, I'd submit it's the best, especially if you're a species. Petro sapiens, give that one to Gnome Chomsky to flesh out. Just following on here, the thing that puts us on top is our relationship with thermodynamics. We are the only species on Earth that has access to grossly more, like orders of magnitude more energy than we derive from our food. And that energy is almost exclusively hydrocarbon based. It's why you and your fine beer gut are free to luxuriate through this video instead of going out and busting your ass in a field all day long just to feed yourself before dropping dead in your 20s, right? And that's pretty much how it's been for the majority of human existence. That's not on top and it's not fun. I'm talking about the pre-Petrosapiens part of human existence. Hydrocarbons are the best thing that has ever happened to humanity. You nutbags, you EV nutbag zealots, don't have to like this because, hey, it's a fact. One bone to pick. Service stations are more than just ritual, they are local employers. Often they are owned and operated by a local family who are active participants in the local community culture. By virtue of that, you have to acknowledge them and their contribution. Most servos in Australia, that's a filling station if you're not from around here, or a gas station in Urca. Most are, in fact, operated by Coles and Woolworths, and therefore they exist only to pay minimum wages to maximise shareholder returns and pay shithead CEOs bonuses they emphatically do not deserve. So there's that. On the death of the servo, okay, if we magically start to sell one EV for every internal combustion car this year, that would be like roughly 500,000 EVs per year, okay? And this is fantasy island stuff already, right? Because in 2020, about 5,000 EVs were sold here in Australia, and that includes Tesla. So we'd be talking about an immediate 100-fold increase in EV sales, like magic, right? But if we did that magically every year, 500,000, it would take roughly a quarter of a century to get 12 million EVs on the road here, and that's roughly how many internal combustion cars are out there cruising around today. So... The death of the servo is hardly imminent. No more stopping at the filling station, so no more buying, say, local papers or sausage rolls, chalky bars or crisps. Has EV solved the nation's obesity problems as well? I'm pretty sure there's an EV miracle diet just waiting to be launched. Plug in to get thin. <laughs> but I'm confident junk food will somehow 
find a way. Does anyone know how often the average EV owner checks their tyre pressures? The visit to the old petrol station is a reminder, even if not done every visit, but when you recharge daily, will the tyres suffer? Dude, Kona Electric has a tyre pressure monitoring system, so... It checks the pressures probably more often than once every second. And it beeps and flashes up a warning whenever a tyre gets low. Additionally, I always carry a 12-volt compressor and a tyre plug kit, because there's no spare tyre in a Kona Electric. I'm just a bit Baden-Powell like that. I know in the modern era, it's a character defect. Charging car, run out cable, wait all night for full charge unless local yobbos unplug it for you. Then coil it back up, put it away, then wash your hands every single day. Petrol, every few days and pick up bread and milk at the same time. EV, towing, uh, no. Load carrying, uh, no. Long trips, uh, no. And how much does the battery cost, assuming it does last eight years? Stupid is as stupid does. I just love this one because it is so typical of the anti-EV nutbag cheap shot retorts that I get from time to time. And Steve-O here has ticked practically every box. Like, everyone's a critic, I get that. In fact, though, EVs have their place, but... They're not for everyone, like towing and heavy loads, long trips, stuff like that. Far more suited to hydrogen fuel cell EVs of the future, frankly. And that's in its infancy now. Both the vehicles and the fuel infrastructure are very new to non-existent in Australia. But fuel cells themselves date back to the Apollo moonshots, so the technology there is proven and solid. On these other critical points, okay... 10,000 Ks in a year is what I managed in that EV, roughly. And okay, it was a pandemic, so I didn't drive as much as otherwise I might have. I tend to charge up when the battery is at about 25-ish percent, right? That's a trigger for me. So at that point, I need roughly 50 kilowatt hours of electricity. It takes about seven hours to deliver that with the fast charger out the front, and I don't actually quote wait all night. I just dream quietly about Poontang Island and eventually lifting travel restrictions, allowing me one day to return. And the recharging just happens in the background while my eyelids are shut and I'm dreaming those pleasant dreams on the beach with the Ming Moles. And as to quote every single day, Okay, my 10,000 Ks and typical recharging at about 25% capacity has resulted in roughly 30 recharge events for that car in about a year. And hey, if I'd driven 15,000 Ks, it'd be what, 45 recharges. But anyway, my 30 recharges means about one recharge every 12 days on average. And I'd suggest that that is hardly a daily grind. To this pressing matter of, quote, unless local yobbos unplug it for you. If you're not from around here, a yobbo is the outspoken miscreant, but basically harmless version of a bogan, like an average member of society. And a bogan is just like a redneck, only slightly more rat cunning and much more of a mad rooter. I hope this helps. 
Yobbos will not be unplugging the car as a prank, okay? The recharging plug locks into the socket when you lock the car. It's all part of the car's locking system. And I'd suggest cutting the cable for kicks would also be rather a bad idea before you go out and suggest that. 240 volts at 32 amps from that fast charger. It's 7.7 kilowatts. I love the smell of barbecued yobbo in the evening, you know. And yeah, it is protected by a core balance relay, like a residual current device, but are you really prepared to roll the dice on that working in the moment? As for, quote, then wash your hands every single day. Imagine the burden of having to wash your hands every single day, like, Jesus. That would be just a thin end of the wedge too, I'd suggest. A slippery sodium stearate slope of endless frigging hand washing. If we give just an inch on this, if you start washing your hands after every single recharge, some woke friggin' do-gooder lefty is gonna tell you to do this before, I don't know, also preparing food. And next it'll be friggin' and wash your hands after pooping. I know. What purpose would that serve? The paper's not dirty. Or in between pooping and preparing food, wash your hands again. Like, they make this stuff up, these do-gooders. It would never end. No amount of hand-washing will ever be sufficient to satisfy these kinds of EV-driving hand hygiene friggin' zealots. Everyone knows that washing your hands every day is absurd. It's impractical and unnecessary. It would be just like, I don't know, Slipping on a pair of fresh underpants every day. Like, who has time? At least we can all agree, I think, that, quote, stupid is as stupid does. It's always nice to find a point of common ground, finally, isn't it? And of course, I think that we can rely on one thing here, okay? As cars get more and more stupid proof, there's always a more advanced idiot just waiting out there in the wings, isn't there? We Petra Sapiens, you know, we're quite funny like that.